You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. Excited to be uh, closing out uh, 2023, closing out podcast uh, season two with a great episode and looking forward to uh, season three coming up here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Closing out the year. We've done more podcasts than I can remember at this point. We've got um, tens of... I think our number is actually... This might be 150. Don't wow. hold me to it, but it's pretty darn close. Episode 150. Yeah, can you believe that? We thought say we ran out of things to say about 75 episodes <laughs> ago. But. There might be some people who say we did, but... Uh, <laughs> We're just not going to ask. Uh, that's one thing about financial planners. They can go on talking forever. <laughs> <laughs> Goes with the territory. Goes with the territory. Uh, so today's episode, Dave, is about setting realistic market expectations, especially in retirement. What do we, what do we mean by realistic market? What is a realistic market expectation? Well, there's a lot of research out there that shows that particularly in bull markets, investors, the general investor has an inflated expectation of what the markets mm. should do for them and how much money yep. they should be making. And, you know, there's that old, there's the old cliche, right? We've all heard the formula for happiness is happiness equals reality minus expectations. There you go. So I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think we're here today to debate the truth of that. I, I've heard that attributed to everyone from Socrates to Tom Magliazzoli from Car Talk on NPR. Okay, <laughs> so don't ask me who came up with that formula or even if it's right. But I think when it comes to how we think about our investments and in our portfolios, there does seem to be some truth to that, right? Disappointment. Oh, is is the the biggest hindrance to happiness when it comes to how your money does. Yeah, when when things are good, people think they should be better, and when things are bad, they expect those bad times are going to continue. And right. either way is a losing proposition, especially when you're thinking about, you know, how do you set expectations, not only uh, expectations, but also like what are you going to base some of your projections on for right retirement or, you know, <laughs> you know, how does that all going to play out when you're talking yeah. about, Hey, this is money I'm going to live on. What should I, how, what should I base my return on for retirement? Right. As an example, the taxes does these surveys of house investor households um, periodically. And in 2021, they, inv- they surveyed a whole bunch. I, I forget what the survey size was, but it was it was statistically relevant. Households with over a hundred thousand dollars invested, and they found the average response to what people thought their next twelve month return would be was seventeen and a half percent. Okay, wow. and that was in a good that was in a year that had already been good. So right. it kind of emphasizes that idea that oh, things have been good. I expect they're going to be even better going forward. Now we know. You know, 17.5% is not unheard of. We've had a pretty good year here as we wind down 2023 that actually did better than that. And we could talk about what people, we, we, we're going to be talking about what the expectations were for 2023 and what we think people are looking at 2024 here in a couple of weeks when we do our prediction. Uh, ah, episode. yes. 
But uh, we know that day in, day out, long-term history for the S&P 500 is about 10%, right? Yeah. And, you know, a um, couple things, Dave, before we move on here, you know, 17.5%, obviously a big number, but over mm-hmm. 12 months, pretty reasonable. I remember when I first started back in the... Uh, well, I, would have st- I started in 2005, but there was a lot of people in the late 90s that assumed that over the next 10 years, they were going to be making somewhere around 20% a year over a 10-year time. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> Which even causes yeah, bigger it's problems because it's not like a one-off one year. It's like, hey, this is what I expect to do over the next 10 years on average. Right. But but if that if you're going into a 12-month period expecting, especially one that's on the back of a year that's already been good, which is where the, the psychological factors come in, mm-hmm. you know, we know that like if, if returns have been below average, our expectation as portfolio managers would be that it's going to be above average then for a right. while because it's going to revert to the mean. But people, yeah. these expectations when we, I, and I, I, I don't have exactly what the previous 12 months were when that study was done, but I know it was during a good market in 2021 that if the market's been good, the odds are better than it's going to be less than average, not necessarily negative, but less than average before that. So people still have that outsized expectation. And when markets are down, recency bias leads people to expect they're going to continue to be down. You know, I don't have I don't have a study to back that one up other than you and I know anecdotally talking to clients over, you know, a couple uh-huh. decades now that yeah. when when the markets are bad, it's really hard to convince clients that the markets will ever be good again. Right. The average market correction only lasts about two months and the 12 month return mm-hmm. after a correction, kind of to your point, is about 13.7. It's interesting because we always talk, like everybody knows the age old, like you should, you know, when you're investing, you want to buy low and sell high. Right. But the reason why people don't do it is because when things are bad, it feels like they're always going to be bad, yeah. right? Like, yeah. 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 It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a big mind trick in terms of yeah. perception and, and how you think yeah. things are going and will continue. To Market play. corrections are as regular as your birthday or Christmas. Yet every time we have one, it feels like the end of the world and things will never be the same again. Right. Right. So, well, the opposite yeah. of that is when things are going good, apparently people believe that that's going to continue <laughs> and they're going to get better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, there is a whole school of thought behind momentum investing and that's a topic for another day, but uh, you know, our I, our philosophy is if things have been too bad, too good for too long, they're going to revert to the mean at some point. Yeah. So when you know that the long-term history of the S&P 500 is an average of 10% per year, which is pretty darn good, you probably shouldn't be betting in any given year that it's going to be higher than that or have in your head that that's a realistic expectation. Mm-hmm. And, and then to take that a step further, most of the people that we work with are not 100% in the stock market. You know, normally we're dealing with retirees who have a balanced portfolio and, you know, a a 60-40 balanced portfolio averages right around 7.5% historically. Yeah. So... And I think that's a number that people don't know that they probably should, right? Like, (laughs) mm -hmm. I think a lot of people know like that average... Maybe maybe this isn't true. Maybe people that I hang out with know like the long-term average of the S&P 500 is... (laughs) 
you know, 10%. But I also know very few people that only are invested into just the S&P 500, right? Right, right, (laughs) right, right. I, I, you know, it serves as a good proxy and the, and the fact that the return has been pretty much spot on at 10% makes nice linear, uh, nice, uh, packaged thinking, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. So, you know, and, and so on either side of that 10% since 1980, we've seen a minus 39% and a plus 38%. Yeah. So, you know, that 17 and a half percent expectation in 2021 is still well within that realm. But I think, I, I think what we're trying to get at here is year in and year out. Don't, don't get caught in that fear of missing out by whatever the headline of whatever the best asset is on that given day. Cause I think that is, that's part of it too, that sets people up for, for failure in this, you know, they might be invested in a boring balanced portfolio that may be doing just fine with its seven and a half percent average, but they just heard about their buddy who, you know, bought the right stock at the right time, you know, bought Netflix at a slump or whatever, pick your, pick your name du jour. And that's what they, you know, it's, it's as much, that is the anchor to expectations when really the luck involved in picking that right stock at the right time. Right. You know, your, your buddy's telling you about the one he got right, but he's probably not telling you about the six he got wrong. Oh yeah. Well, it's like, you know. it's like fishing, right? Like, right. <laughs> a, it's always a huge fish. It's not the hour spent on the lake, oh, right. but B, right. the fish always gets bigger. <laughs> right. 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 The proper, the proper response to that is uh, when someone asks you, if you caught anything, you say nothing to brag about. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's the proper response. <laughs> nothing to brag about. And it really should be the same in the markets too. And then you leave them wondering, did he, did he get the big one or did he not catch anything? Right. Exactly. But uh, so, you know, to that, to that idea, Longboard Capital, Longboard Asset Management did a study, a real interesting statistical analysis. They're a a mutual fund, a hedge mutual fund strategy. And I, I won't go too much into that, but they looked at the entire stock market history, like going back to 1926. And in that time, the, the United States, the domestic stock market has created like $47 trillion in wealth. Meanwhile, the average stock in that stock market had a return of between zero and minus 70%. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Basically, four, four to 5% of the stocks in the market. So figure that you're roughly 20%. You've got a one in five chance of picking the right stock were responsible for 100% of the return or the positive return. Wow. Yeah. And that's, I find that interesting right now because everybody's focusing on the fact that basically seven stocks have driven most of the market returns over the last year. That's not unusual. Right. That seems to be the norm more than right. the exception. But if you, if you want to beat that market index, you've got to pick the right one out of five. Yeah before they become popular, before anybody else does. So what are your, you know, what are your odds are not good just on that. And if, and and what, what makes the individual investor think that they have the skill to beat those odds? I know I don't, I've been studying the markets and building portfolios for 24 years and Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, that's maybe the one lesson I can definitely tell you is, 
is there's there's no rhyme or reason that gives you the ability to pick those stocks ahead of time. Yeah, you know, I think a great example of that too is because the hard part is after the fact, it's always like, oh, well, I yeah. you know, should have known, yeah. right? But like, yeah. if you think of, I, I like to use the example of Amazon, right? Like Amazon mm-hmm. was essentially like an online bookseller. <laughs> right. Like right. that's the point in time where you needed to invest in Amazon to like experience yeah. all of the growth. Yeah. And if you invested yeah. money into the online bookseller that was Amazon, people would look at you like you were yeah. absolutely lost your mind about like how phenomenal this online bookseller was going to be. Well, in the meantime, at the same time, it was the expansion phase of Barnes and Noble, of mm-hmm. the big bookstore, one spot, everything, go to the store, pick out your books, get all that, yeah. you know, you know, two stories of bookshelves, mm-hmm. which have struggled ever since. Yeah. But it would have been a it would have been a, a pretty big leap of faith at that time to see yeah. how that was going to play out. I mean, just so much working against them, which is you know, in hindsight, it's always, it's easy. Like, yeah, everybody wants to get their books online, and also they're going to expand oh, yeah. and start putting giving everything yeah. to your front door. Yeah. But like, nobody knew back then. Even Bezos probably didn't really know exactly what that was going to turn into. Yeah. Well, and it's funny how obvious these things seem in retrospect. I think that Amazon makes a great example of that. Of course, it's a, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, behemoth at this point. But, uh, you know, yeah. But nobody talks about the 10 other companies that were probably trying to do something similar that ended up not making it, right? Right, (laughs) right. I'd like to find a list someday of all the, I'm sure it's out there, of all the computer companies that were just as viable as Apple and Microsoft in like Mm -hmm. 1978, 1979, you know? Right. Well, we're kind of seeing it a little bit right now in the electric car market, right? Um, Wall Street Journal just put out an article that there's all these electric car startups and most of them are running out of money and not doing very well. Yeah. None of them them seem to be turning into the next Tesla is the point. Okay. Well, (laughs) so, you know, we've lived in the era of the big three automakers our entire lives, but look back two generations, every guy in Detroit was starting a car company in his garage. It's the same, you know, it's the same corollary and who knows Uh which one, you know, can you pick the Ford or the couple guys that get together and create GM out of, uh, you know, right. the mess of mechanics that all were, you know, yeah. building real cars. Could you, could you, uh, you know, imagine investing money into Ford? Cause most people thought yeah. Henry Ford was off his rocker with what he was trying <laughs> well, to do. Right? <laughs> and he largely was, he, he was just crazy <laughs> enough to get it right. I remember somebody telling me that the uh, museum at uh, Dearborn, you know, the, the, the Ford, Ford uh, Museum. Yeah. yeah, the Henry Ford Museum, there's, you know, a whole wing of antique cars, right? And some, I remember somebody from Detroit describing it as Henry Ford's trophy room <laughs> of all the, all the companies that, you know, that he beat that right. didn't make it, yeah. you know, and, and they were all, they all had weird names, you know, you know, Bob's car yeah. that he built in his garage with weird sides on it, and, you know, and it was... Anyway, we digress. There's also I, one of the guys I worked with a while ago had a picture of Microsoft's. It was like Microsoft's Christmas party picture or something like that, where they're all like these scruffy guys. It's like twelve guys in you know football jerseys and scruffy clothes and long hair, 
And it said on the bot, like on the bottom, it was printed, would you have invested with a question mark? And uh, I'll have to dig that up. That's, that's out there somewhere. But, uh, but yeah, you know, if you, we set our expectations around those home runs, you know, Mm -hmm. hit dingers, don't bunt. Right. But really what you need to do is, is uh, like money ball, get on base. Right. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about, don't worry about, about the big home run, worry about getting on base and staying on base consistently. Exactly. Well, going back to our fishing example, right? If you catch a small fish every day, you're going to eat every day. <laughs> that's true. If you're going after the whopper, <laughs> you might have to wait five days before you eat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Got to make it last. Just, you know, what investors need to keep in mind is the market swings like a pendulum in the short run. They're going to have outperformance, but that's going to lead to underperformance at some point. Those market averages are tied to the long-term growth in the economy, factors like population growth, productivity, these things don't gyrate like 25% a year, right? The way the right. market might. But, but in the long run, those are the things that drive the markets forward and lead to those consistent long-term gains. I love this piece too. Like um, we look at our financial planning assumptions, right? We're using 5.8% for a balanced portfolio. It's just based on where the market's at and and kind of looking (laughs) forward. Um, But much easier in retirement to have a reasonable expectation and do better than that and maybe get a little bit more money than expecting a lot more and having to all of a sudden reduce your spending, right? Like nobody wants that to happen, uh, much better to be a little bit more conservative and outperform than it is to, yeah. you know, think you're going to do better than you actually do and, and have to figure out what to do from there. Yeah. 5.8% is, is kind of our baseline for a, for a balanced portfolio in our software. So less than what the histor- historical average would be. And that is all about setting realistic expectations. I'd a lot rather have that conversation. Hey, You've got extra money you can spend. Yeah. Then, right. uh, gee, you know, if we'd only made the ten percent, we'd plugged into your plan, <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Exactly. Happiness equals reality minus expectation. That's what I'm taking away from this. <laughs> that's right. Put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> Love it. You can add it to your uh, your tattoo collection that you want to get. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, this has been great, Dave. Uh, You know, very important information on how to think about things and how to set up your expectations and and the importance of that and the importance of how you think about this stuff. So appreciate it as always, my friend. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Gather around and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.